Hello, welcome to episode 94 of How To Wow here with Georgia Toffolo and Jenny Powell discussing her book, Meet Me, Plans for the Future and what she enjoys about writing. Also discussing her time at Carfest and dancing all out to McFly. Carfest is a not-for-profit wellbeing, music, food, superstar and motorcar festival that has so far raised circa £25 million for UK children's charities. Check out what's happening this year by going to carfest.org, carfest.org that is, where you'll see our best ever lineup of guest hosts and rock and rollers, yet many of them staying with us the whole weekend, including the likes of Richard Hammond, Rob Brydon, Jimmy Carr, Lee Mack, Bryony Gordon, Eddie Izzard, Rick Astley, Craig David, Russell and Laura Brand, Texas McFly, The Actual Village People, Alex Horn, Angela Hartnett, Matt Tebbett, Michael Keynes, Atul Kutcher, Freya Ridings, Ben Miller, Dr. Rungan Chatterjee, Dr. Reapy, The Happy Pair, Melanie Sykes, The Feelings, Sophie Ellis-Bexter, Razorlight, Gokwan, Reef, The Bootleg Beatles, and only Peter Flipping Andre, plus all the amazing car content, of course. Go to carfest.org now and come join us this August bank holiday weekend. All right, from that very event, let's cue a conversation, a fascinating conversation. Georgia Toffolo here with Jenny Powell discussing her amazing book series, Meet Me. Hello, everyone. Hello. How glorious. So if you're wondering, this is Toph. I'm Jenny Powell. <laughs> uh, we've just been sitting in the green room, haven't we? And it was so funny because the first thing, I mean, obviously this is the author stage, but um, we were like, where'd you get your sheepskin from? Where'd you get your dress from? And she's sort of tugging my label because obviously you are a, an amazing fashionista as well as everything else. Well, I don't know about today. This is a day two t-shirt. It's just got, wanted like, to say, I am making an effort. Let's discuss it. It's got like McFly sweat on it. Mm. <laughs> Honestly, I'm mortified. So normally I look right, but I'm sort of, it's a bit touch and go today. But I'm sure all of you feel the same. It's not just me, right? <laughs> right? Well, talking of uh, McFly sweat, Danny's got a message. I don't know if anybody, did ever, anyone else, look at her, she's going, oh, um, did anyone else see McFly last night? They were unbelievable, weren't they? Um, he's actually hurt his back because he was so enthusiastic. He was giving it so much welly. Well, I found out he's probably giving it for you. He okay. said, I've just seen him and he said, are you interviewing Toff? He said, because uh, I looked down from a crowded stage and there's thousands of people and she was going large. I really was. And actually, it was a life highlight. I've called every single one of my family this morning. I've called both of my best friends to tell them. Danny saw me. He did. <laughs> and he said, if you filmed, did you film him? I've got, I've got the video on my phone. So he wants you to tag him I'm in. For it. Okay, I will. And he goes from the top of the stage, go on, Toph. I thought my life had peaked like when I won the jungle. <laughs> and then that happened to me. I'll never get over it. I know. And I secretly saw her wringing out her T-shirt from the McFly sweat. That's all I'm saying. I know there are children here. So um, apart from being a, a, few, a huge fan of McFly, fly of course we realized um you are the brightest ray of sunshine and boy do we need it today uh, you really are and everybody i've spoken to says oh my gosh she's just full of smiles she's so positive she really is a ray of light oh that's uh, do we agree yeah oh thank you and what is your mantra? Because I'm a yogi. I've been up at Sparfest. But what's your mantra, Toph? Because you must have one to be the light that you are. Oh, that's so lovely to say. Um, do you know, I think 
I just feel quite lucky because I was really blessed with like quite a sunny disposition. And I do feel so grateful for like everything that I'm able to do from being sat here today to some of the work that I get to do. And particularly because we're talking about my books, you know, for someone of my age to have the opportunity to write something like I have is a really amazing thing. So whilst, <laughs> yeah, I am quite jolly all the time, but I think it would be very strange if I wasn't because it's I've just been so incredibly lucky and I love what I do. Well, you say that, um, but at the end of the day, I think you're pretty savvy. You know exactly what you're doing. You do. Um, And you had this amazing opportunity, like you're saying about your book. um, And it was almost like you manifested it with Harper's and Collins. Yeah, Yeah, this is it. Actually, you know, I say I say this story quite a lot because I knew that I wanted to write romantic fiction, but I didn't think that a proper publisher would ever trust someone like me because, you know, quite frankly, I was known for sort of stomping down the King's Road, maybe having glass champagne. I don't know whether that would make someone a brilliant author, but most of us can't <laughs> relate to that stuff, to be honest. Exactly. It is ridiculous, right? And I went to a party that I was invited to, and someone told me that someone very important was there from a publisher's. And I just seized the opportunity and went over, and I've never ever pitched myself or sold myself in that way before. But sometimes you've just got to force yourself to do it because whilst I'm incredibly confident, things like that made me feel very, very nervous. And it's not a very British thing to do. It's like quite an American thing to sort of pitch yourself to someone. And thank goodness I did. So I think it's something to sort of live by. If you really want something in life, you've got to push because the opportunities for my books, there's no way it would have ever happened. And it's incredible. I mean, do, had you ever heard of Mills and Boone? Because it's like my generation or my Auntie Flo's generation. You know, they were, they were scattered everywhere. And I mean, to this day, I think they do sell Huge one every 10 seconds in the UK still but I'm talking I I just envisage you know various various generations of people that certainly aren't your generation of people so I'm just intrigued to know uh, if you ever ever even knew what a Mills and Boone book was yeah I so did but it was something that my peers at school used to really take the mick out of me because they had no idea what it was Um, I had a great appreciation for Mills and Boone and I felt quite strongly that the world now particularly where we are all those years forwards from when they were seen to be in their heyday still would enjoy the joy of a Mills and Boone novel. And I think the formula that they have where, yes, fine, it might be put down to chick lit, romantic fiction, always with a wonderful, happy ending. But life can be really tough. And I wanted more people to enjoy that. So I felt quite strongly that maybe someone like me could not only try to modernise the brand ever so slightly, because I've written the most strong, amazing heroines that weren't classically involved in Mills and Boone books but I'm so glad that I did but yeah to answer your question I was always at school like I was pretty nerdy actually but now that I'm a bit older I'm kind of proud of it but when I was younger it was grossly uncool but I was so diverse in the things that I read and I found a Mills and Boone novel when I was about 13 14 and I mean I don't know whether anyone's read one in the room, but maybe I'm silly for pointing out, but they are a tiny bit naughty. Like, not full frontal. I mean, there are children here. What's a good word? But you know what I mean? Because you have, Um, like, a trade list, don't you? Is it called a trade list when they they have to kind of, like, censor? They have to make sure that you don't go too... You don't go over the line too much. I think it's called a trade list. Yeah, so some of the meetings I've had about my books, you know... What? This is it. You know, what do you call a... You know... And you have to sit there with really Do you want me to say people. it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just worried. I Watch it. Just... Is there a minute? No, what you, help, what you call the willy. 
<laughs> so you could so you exactly. have to have a discussion about yeah. what you're going to call it which yeah. is appropriate yeah that's awkward I really? bet they love talking to you about that I know with like stale old men in the room I was like oh my god I really want to not be here well careful because some of those stale old men are... no I'm joking <laughs> <laughs> so um, you you have a series of four which is meet yeah. me in yeah. yes and you started with meet me in London yeah and I know that you 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 have a huge love for that city yeah um, I say that city because I'm I'm up north <laughs> um, but um, you know that was the first book that you wrote wasn't it yeah that was it so as I mentioned I'd never written fiction before so I wanted to start off with the first book writing about something that I could visualize and I set my book unsurprisingly between Chelsea and Notting Hill and I am so glad that I did because that first book Meet Me in London gave me the most enormous confidence boost because I can sense what the King's Road is like in the winter I know how glorious it is in the summer and I think what it instilled in me is that I actually could write and it was something that I really needed to work on from a confidence perspective. And then we went off and traveled the world with these four books. So it was always only ever going to be a series of four. And the book that, you know, we're going to talk about today, Meet Me at the Wedding, is the fourth and final one. But I was always really strong with my publishers that I wanted the books to be able to be enjoyed as a standalone, but also it would be glorious for someone to read them from the first to the fourth. And I mean, I set myself up for a huge fall there, but somehow I pulled it off because... I think there's something really wonderful about someone handing you a book or finding it in a charity shop or loaning it from a library. And I think if they had to be read in the chronological order, that joy would have been taken from the reader. So I'm super glad that I did. So we went from, it went meet me in London, meet me in Hawaii, meet me in Tahiti. And then this is why this book is so special for me. Um, Meet Me at the Wedding is set in Devon, where I'm from. I think lots of people probably think that I'm a Londoner because of Made in Chelsea but I'm really not. I moved up there when I was 18 um, and fell in love with the city. But at the same time, we all love our roots. And this is why this book is a culmination of not only my four brilliant girls and their stories, but it really made sense to me that all of us were going home to Devon. Um, so yeah, I'm super proud of it. It's a lovely book. So it's feel good for you really as well, isn't it? And there's, yeah. some, there's some, you know, there's been a couple of great female authors from Torquay. Oh yeah, yeah. well, none other You've than Agatha Christie. Yeah, <laughs> I can't so, believe you breathed my name in the same sentence. Well, as why? Why not? Turning in her grave, but I do give it a good go. <laughs> um, and of course, you're you've got a, a book club as well, so yeah. you know you really are authentic. So obviously, you had that before even writing, didn't you? Yeah, I really did. Um, I felt that sometimes book clubs can seem to be quite archaic, and I love social media. I'm addicted to it, and I thought, how wonderful would it be if I could get anyone who lives anywhere in the world to join our book club and I announced the book at the beginning of the month we do a bit of a low down halfway through and then all of my book clubbers help me decide the next one but it's super diverse in what we choose I mean I am slightly egotistical in that whenever one of my books come out obviously that is our pick of the month so I can't help myself um, but I think it's a lovely thing and it, it opens it up to a lot more people yeah and it's a lovely thing to know as well that you do actually read a book if there's any young people here you know I, I even think there were Kindle and things like that I'm not I'm not convinced 
And I've got a daughter who's 21. And since, you know, early teens, she always used to say to me, I love the smell of books. Oh, there's nothing better. Yeah, and I just so enjoy sort of going in a bedroom and it's just a stack of books, you know, and they're all sort of a bit curled up around the edges. And I think, gosh, there is hope because there is nothing like reading a real book. So agree. And actually, I've got real faith that books have become really cool again. And I think people are really discovering. I mean, for me, if anyone asked me, what would you save in a fire? You know, I'd probably perish because it would be my books because every single one I can look at the cover. And I'm a total weirdo. I annotate all of my books with pencil and I have a little rubber. Do you? Yeah, always. And I, I always date when I read it. And at the end, I date when I finished it. It's a really lovely thing because I'll have someone over for dinner and somehow a book will pop into my head and I'll say, you can borrow this. And it's got all my scribbled notes in it I think the gift of reading is just one of the most extraordinary things that you can give to anyone where do you think you got that from I don't know I mean my mum and my dad don't read that much I'm an only child as well so I suppose maybe it was that you know a lot of time at home on my own I've just always been a real lover of reading and I'll, I'll read anything and everything but the reason why I wanted to write romantic fiction is because when everything is balanced and lovely in my life and I'm going on a great holiday and I'm really relaxed I always read reach for the romantic fiction so I felt that that genre was right for me to write but you know it doesn't mean to say that I'll write it forever I'd like to do a lot more yeah. I really really would don't be shy go on what do you think crime or what do you think I fancy something I mean my publisher keeps on saying it's a crazy idea so I'm really trying to push it but I'd like murder mysteries set in Westminster so something a bit sexy something a bit political oh well you've got um, lots of material from this year haven't you oh I do I certainly do and that's probably why it's at the forefront of my mind but obviously worlds apart to this bit to the these types of books um, but I hope that I can write forever out of my whole career and I've been so blessed to do so many amazing things the books are the things that I pray that I can do until the day that I die because it just gives so and much and I'm joy. sure you look at Barbara Cartland wow I mean perhaps she was going till the bitter end oh, yes but if you uh, I mean obviously you've got uh, you've got Mr Johnson haven't you you could wow. always you know and he was a spy allegedly <laughs> Um, so you've got a few people who you could help with your research for those sorts of books. Yeah, totally. I mean, I definitely have loads of contacts that I could sort of try and get some lines from. But I also think about if I had a launch party, like where it would be in Westminster and imagine the characters I could pull into one room. I mean, it would be cool. It'd be interesting. Yeah, really but we'll interesting. see, we'll see. So with your books that you write, I mean, there's always a go-to. There's someone who you secretly or openly seek approval from. Yeah. And it might be a personal thing or a professional thing or so who is it for you who's your go-to when you've written that book or you've had that idea I think my one true person that I I mean I adore her so much is Jilly Cooper and she was the lady who really got me into wanting to write fiction and I actually haven't told anyone this it was the most amazing thing I opened an envelope just after Christmas this year and Jilly Cooper had written to me. I know. I've never, ever been like taken aback like it before. I mean, side note, her writing is bloody hard to read. Um, and I had to have lots of people help me um, sort of read it. But for her to reach out to me after reading one of my books, I kind of thought, oh my goodness, I am doing something that is right. Yeah. Like, it was the most amazing thing. So yeah, it would be Jilly Cooper's my note. Number one. I mean, any surprises? She writes about poshos and horses. I mean, how predictable of me. <laughs> 
But it's interesting because during sort of Car Fest, we've all become this massive family. And funnily enough, Kirsty Gallagher, who's like our Luna guru, she was the same in a in a different way on a parallel to you because uh, Mel C was on on Friday night. I don't know if you know, and uh, Mel C sort of like dropped everything and just went running up to Kirsty and said, oh, "I follow you. I do everything that you do. I'm really in awe of you." So it's a similar thing, and everyone's like, "I've just met so and so, and I've just met so." Nobody's oh, yeah. done it to me. Oh, Chris Evans says, "All right, Jenny, <laughs> you're not on the telly anymore." But, you know, it's a similar thing. Um, But for you, um, you obviously have Meet Me In. um, But you say that's the fourth and that's the final of the series. Um, So do you feel pressured now as a writer? Because I presume if you are a creative, you don't want to feel that pressure. Um, You know, you want to just wait for the moment, wait for that time. So with publishers and all that going on, and you're a busy woman anyway, um, how's it going to work and have you got any plans? Yeah, well, they're all waiting on me, basically. So I really fancy writing next time. I've been really fortunate. I've been given a three-parter book deal, which is huge. Um, And I fancy, obviously, this one was themed with location. And just to backtrack a little bit, I just want to explain what the series was. So it's basically about four young girls who grew up in Devon, very similarly to me, in a little fishing village, surfing village. And when I was planning all the stories, I I felt very strongly that the heroines that I was writing about were so strong and complex and different that they needed their own book for me to do them justice. And somehow I got it over the line. And there's a huge accident that happens in book one and it changes all four of their lives in the most insane ways. And obviously they fall in love with people, they fall out of love, they're heartbroken. But the one theme that ties all of them together is this really deep female bond that they have, which is just so wonderful to write about. So that's Meet Me, the Meet Me In series. So of course now we're moving on and I feel that I want to write the next series themed by vacation. So I could really get stuck in so I really fancy writing about solicitors I've always been fascinated about you know in London where all the barristers are and the barristers didn't you want to be like one that. at one point didn't you this is it like you can really tell with my books there are bits of me in all of them okay. and I think this is because just if I mean I'll tell you what happened I moved up to London when I was 18 as I said and somehow I fell on to Made in Chelsea just because I mean they were paying a little bit more than my nannying job so I was like bang on I'll do that but I was meant to be going off to study law and I'd wanted to be a barrister since I mean for as long as I remember so I feel as though there's something that's quite unsettled there Um, so I'd love to throw myself into that world but it's so open at the moment and I really wanted to take the summer to take a little bit of time for me because churning out four books with a pandemic in the middle um, as a new author is no small feat Mm -hmm. so I just wanted to breathe a little bit but it's given me the space to kind of think about what I want to do so that's what I'm thinking but the biggest task will be is finding a brilliant series title like Meet Me In you know it really flows it works I could have written a hundred more books but you know sadly this one's come to an end so I mean if anyone follows me on social media send me any ideas you have um, I will credit you I promise because it's you know something that's really important to me the way that the books are titled it's huge and we were talking about the sort of pressure when I mean you know you you have so many different facets to your career now don't you Um, and as the time goes by I think and as you become more and more um, familiar in the public eye you know people have their preconceptions etc first of all it's difficult to be experimental because everyone's like no 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 she does that 
you've kind of avoided it really, haven't you? Because you have kept a finger in all sorts of pies. And we were talking about what path do you take or do you let the path take you? Yeah. Um, and I know you're doing something with ITV as well, aren't you? Yeah, I am. I'm thrilled. I've got, um, I don't know if anyone else has suffered with what I have, but I've had quite chronic acne um, for, you know, 15 years now. And when I was 13, 14, my parents and I were dead cert that it was just hormonal and it would go away when I got a bit older. And that's what everyone said. But I'm 28 in October and I still really struggle. You know, today is a brilliant skin day, um, but not every day is like that. And I think when you do have that emotionally, you know, you can really suffer. And I pitched to ITV years ago. I basically had done all this research and no one had spoken about acne in a documentary format for about a decade, which I thought was insane because whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you're male or female, everyone at some point suffers with their skin. Um, So I'm thrilled that I got it over the line. So I'm halfway through filming it and it's basically just a deep delve into... Okay, just taking a pause to tell you about AG1, also supporting this particular podcast. AG1, I'm asked all the time about the one thing I do to take care of my health. If I could pick only just one product, it would be foundational nutrition. And AG1 is a top foundational nutrition product. I can't think of any other daily routine that pays off as well as AG1, according to people that I really look up to who really know their stuff. AG1 is recommended by such luminaries as Rich Roll, the amazing professor, Dr. Andrew. Schieberman, Tim Ferriss, and our one, our only Dr. Rangan Chatterjee. AG1 was created in 2010 and has helped millions of mornings begin on a healthier foundation ever since. My wife takes it, I take it, even our 14-year-old son Noah takes it now. He swears by it. AG1 is not only a high-quality all-in-one solution for daily foundational nutrition, it also saves you time, confusion, and money compared to individual supplements that can add up to a small fortune. AG1 replaces your multivitamin, probiotic, and much more in one simple drinkable habit. AG1 is great bang for my buck as it replaces a lot of these other supplements, like a daily multivitamin, minerals, pre and probiotics for my gut health, adaptogens and a greens blend, literally all in one scoop of powder. I think there's 75 different supplements in each scoop. Science-driven formulation of vitamins, probiotics and whole food source nutrients. AG1 is raising the standard for quality in the supplement category. Just one daily serving gives me the comprehensive foundational nutrition I need. Go to drinkag1.com slash how to wow. That's drinkag1.com slash how to wow. Give it a go. Check it out. Let us know how it lands. And now back to the wow. The emotional constraints of acne, but also the treatment options. Um, So it's something that is really close to me that I'm super proud of. But going back to your earlier question. So the idea of having a really cyclical lifespan with regards to a career really excites me. So let's say I something happens and the television people don't want to use me anymore I think right okay that was a wonderful 10 years or how lucky was I to do that for 15 years let's go and find something different and let's learn a new trade again it's scary it's not what I want to happen but that's why I try to keep my fingers in so many pies I feel like maybe lots of self-employed people are like that you don't know when it might stop and you always have that irrational feeling um, which actually is totally rational so I think it's good to be a little bit prepared and with a documentary because I know what it's like in telly they could be very controlling you know it's all about the edit 
Um, but I think, you know, as a feisty lady, I know you only too well. Um, are you going to make sure that, you know, you keep your stamp on it? Because it's such a personal thing. And if anyone knows, it's you. Um, so, you know, are you going to, do you sort of put yourself out there? Do you make a conscious effort to make sure that you, you know, you keep your hands on the reins? Yeah, hugely. It's interesting that you bring it up because I think because of my age and I haven't really done much TV like this before, I was really taken aback at how much it could be controlled. Yeah. And I nipped it in the bud really, really early. And obviously I won't have seen the final edicts. We're not finished filming yet. But every single interview, every single question, I mean, the biggest task for me has been getting things past the ITV lawyers. Yeah. Because what we're unearthing and what we're trying to investigate could put ITV in quite a precarious situation. But that's why it's so important to broadcast this. So yeah, I've learned quite a few lessons and it's been really fun but daunting at the same time to switch from my jovial TV personality where I'm just bouncing around, you know, in the jungle in my bikini or whatever, where actually you're interviewing people about the most serious thing that has changed their whole life. And that tone is so different. Yeah, it really is. And at the beginning, even when I was doing contributor interviews with people, and naturally I do smile all the time. And my producer said to me really kindly, just you've got to more of a muted facial expression. And, you know, my first instinct was to be really offended, but actually they're so right. So you need to get that right. And I think because it's so different and I really want to be taken seriously and do all of these kind people who have told me their stories justice, you know, I've really, really listened, but it's been amazing. It goes back to learning new trades all the time. Yes. It's exciting. It is. And it's all a work in progress, you know, and you never learn everything hundred uh, percent. You don't. I've got <laughs> Danny from McFly just keeps on popping into my head. I'm like obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god what he's doing what is he single I don't even know no, he's so not single oh right she knew that straight no, away didn't she okay oh is he not so happily married with beautiful baby oh is he oh I've no idea anymore Shame. I'm the wrong generation but anyway well never mind but I mean you know you can, at least you can sniffy sweat it's better than nothing uh, so so moving on for you um, yeah so you've got Monty oh, yeah. you got yeah Monty this isn't a human being by the way this is my little lockdown puppy. He's called Monty. He's a little ginger Maybe you should spaniel. rename your lockdown puppy to Danny. Oh, God, what a brilliant idea. I should. <laughs> I should. My little doggy. I mean, he gets everywhere. I talk about him all day. I really didn't plan on going to get a dog, um, but he arrived and he's been the most wonderful thing. I dedicate all my books to him. Uh, all of them, because he's always sat there looking at me. I'm like, God, <laughs> he's really put the shift in with these books. So, yeah. So there's no sort of, you because I asked you before, we were, we were sort of like oozing over somebody's baby round the, round the back there didn't we and I went look you don't need to have any babies yet um, but uh, I was no. just also delving and saying is there any love in your life I know it's a bit of a cliche but I mean you're well fit Oh, I don't, not today. I know, and you're super bright and you're a ray of sunshine and there'll be a lot of people absolutely gagging. <laughs> I so I need to know, are you single? Well, gosh, what a question. Um, <laughs> do you know, I'm gonna just going to be really honest with you. So because I started on that show that was so much about romance and dating, um, I felt as I've got a tiny bit older that I want to protect that bit because... I'm scared of getting dumped. I'm scared of falling out of love with someone. And there is a hell of a lot of pressure. And we all know I'm obviously not Angelina Jolie or Jennifer Aniston. But at the same time, people would write about it. And I would get 
messages about it all the time. So I really try yeah. to not talk about it, but it's so hard because I'm I'm such a hopeless romantic, and I think that really comes across with my books. And you know, if you end up reading any of my books, you'll probably be able to decipher a who the man in my life is because all of them are really similar. The people that they've fallen in love with, um, and be like what type of men you know I really like. So it's a hard one because, quite frankly, I want to jump up on there and scream from the rooftops about you know how much I love love but it takes so much of me to sort of hold it back because I worry yeah for doing this since I was 18 I want to keep a tiny bit for me yeah yeah it's tricky it is tricky and And you're much more aware because obviously you were sort of exposed into the public eye so brutally in a way and I just don't know how these um, people go through these breakups so publicly I think you know when a relationship breaks down it's the most horrendous thing and I think doing that and private is bad enough um but yeah it, to, to answer your question i'm very content and happy yeah oh that's a good she, so, yeah. she fobbed that one off didn't she that could still mean anything uh but obviously uh, you have you have lots of great friends obviously you made a very lovely friendship didn't you in uh i'm a celebrity oh i did yeah stanley god what um what yeah, a no, week it's fine i loved it when you did um hunted yeah 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 he was hilarious you were so patient did i anyone know see when did stanley anyone watch the hunted when stanley and i did it yeah you did oh, it was hel- but you were so patient because i thought she can't even you were so re- you see manners cost nothing <laughs> and because he was your elder and obviously there was a certain level of respect instead of going stanley you dipstick what are you doing you were very patient with him weren't you one thing that i learned early dawns is that the johnson family are never wrong which i see you know as the british public has transpired um to be wrong um but you know when you're doing a show like that and stanley and i are really close but the fact of the matter is he's like he's 55 years older than me so if it was one of my friends I'd say stop being an idiot and for people that haven't watched the show you basically go on the run from the police to raise money for stand up to cancer amazing I thought you were talking about his son then I know well quite it could be Um, and I did it with my friend Stanley Johnson and you know I said to him at the beginning let's just go on a big jolly and that's what we ended up doing but of course we ran out of money by day three yeah. and I, I quite like a long lunch you know it's like right up my street so of course then I'm thinking well how are we going to do this so Stanley came up with a brilliant idea of just using his credit card everywhere but of course we were clocked on every single bit of CCTV um, but somehow we pulled it off we didn't get caught first or second you know we really did get away with it and we ended up traveling from london all the way to the tip of scotland and then we made it all the way back down again back to where i'm from in devon back down to cornwall and then what got us in the end there were these really hot two guys in this pickup truck and i was like oh my god obviously i've been with stanley for two weeks i'm thrilled to see someone young and hot and i sort of flagged them down i said what are you doing this evening they said well there's a pub quiz tonight and I'm getting all over excited even Stanley at that point was like this isn't a good idea Toph I was like no it's a fantastic idea we're going anyway someone recorded me behind the bar doing a Jaeger bomb ringing the bell at the pub quiz and then we got caught the next morning but I was I was uh, met with quite a tricky I didn't know what to do because Stanley as I said is a little bit older and I definitely could have legged it from the hunters but I thought I don't want to leave the oldie on his own it's not a good look so I sort of yeah you should have shoved him in a wheelbarrow I really should have done we would have gone a lot quicker yeah making memories but uh, no it was hugely entertaining and the thing about you is um, I think 
you have an amazing likability and it's almost unexpected because you're dead posh you know you're very pretty and all those things you're very talented and normally that that can alienate people but you have that little bit of magic and I I know that you'll hold on to it I I really do do we not agree (laughs) yeah it really is it's a special thing honestly and uh, please from an old biddy like me you make sure that you cling on to that that sparkliness and that goldenness because you truly truly are a ray of sunshine and it's been a deep joy to talk to you I feel really selfish because I could talk to you for ages but I know that we're going to do some Q&A's now thank you so much but thank you you for sharing some lovely stories you're going to do some nice questions yes I love go. yes okay so is there anybody who uh, would like to ask Toff a question don't be scared we know how lovely she is Um, yes please we've got a lovely gentleman here Hi, did you always know that you was going to write a book? Oh, it's such a good question. I always knew that I really wanted to, but I don't know whether... I just didn't think that I would have the opportunity to. And if someone had asked me... Probably when I just started on Made in Chelsea, that would have been my number one goal, yeah. It's amazing, right? I still can't believe it. It's like a pinch me thing. Did you find... Did you... Yeah. Go on, go again. Uh, yeah. Did you find it easy to put the pen on the paper for the first time? Did I find it easy to put pen to paper the first time? No, in one word. I found it really hard. And I had no structure whatsoever. And if... Yeah. It was bad. And I'd wanted it so badly. And I think what have freed so much is when I was drawing up the plan for these books the characters had been written about a year before that was all ready to go but I think because I've struggled with my confidence to do with writing when I'd actually signed the contract I thought well HarperCollins are going to read this and they're going to think it's trash which is ridiculous because they'd already given me the opportunity you know but the only bit of advice I would give to anyone who's thinking about writing is try and have any bit of structure say two hours even if you sit there and you don't write a word it's better than procrastinating and thinking I'm going to go and do the washing or whatever so yeah that's what really really helped me and then suddenly something just went inside of me and I was writing 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 half of it would have been a load of rubbish but once you start you know I think writer's block is a thing and that thankfully I only had it right at the beginning um but yeah once I started I can't I couldn't stop yeah and and do you write in a is there a sort of place where you write sorry I've nabbed a question of someone haven't I that's so naughty that's all right okay. yeah is there a place where you write where you like to write yeah I mean my preference is to write you know down in Devon because that's just where I feel there's something about it down there I don't know whether it's because I feel grounded because I'm at home but my emotions are so much freer down there it's really weird I don't know whether I must find London subconsciously suffocating it's really weird but when I'm writing all of the really wonderful romantic bits Devon is so much better but at home you know I just write in my bedroom I've got a writing desk that's it nothing I've snazzy got, I've got visions of you on a chaise long oh, like, huge Georgian window hey it's and on the silk dressing, dressing gown I want like like a really archaic nighty. that's all of my vibe yeah right yeah yeah that's right that's what i would love one day but at the moment it's just a nice little desk from ikea at the end of the bed you have to earn that chaiselong that's all i'm saying and spell it as well especially as a writer uh, is there anyone else who's got any questions uh for georgia lovely oh fantastic apart from crime and murder mystery are there any other books you'd like to write oh gosh what a lovely question do you 
know, I, this is a random one, but I'd really like to write an alternative dog training book. <laughs> I know that sounds really weird. That is weird, isn't it? But the way that I train my dog, okay, maybe it's because I love my dog so much, don't we all? But I used some really, really random ways to train him and it really worked and I'd like to share that with people. Oh, you should so do don't, that. Don't think I'll get it over the line with anyone. Maybe that's a self-published one. Oh, yeah, why not? Yeah, I think it'd yes. be fun. Monty be, and me. Yes, Monty and me. Working title. Yeah, okay. That's a lovely question as well. Thank you. Uh, any more questions? Oh, this is my other half, Martin. This <laughs> my other half, man. Don't say that. Sorry. He is. Oh, he's from Bolton and he's dead gorgeous. <laughs> but he hasn't got any bro- He hasn't got any brothers. Stop it, Stop. you're going to put him off I just wanted to ask, pipe down, I just wanted to ask. Um, I don't know who you are, I don't watch TV much, but everyone says you're really nice. How do you deal with people prejudging you with the things you've been on? How do you deal with it just to stay nice? Amazing. It's such a good question. Um, I really struggled with that because when I was on Made in Chelsea when I was younger, um, God, there were so many preconceptions and honestly, some of them are really correct. And I think my big opportunity is when I was able to do The Jungle and that's why I was so desperate to do it because it's not formatted. I know people who watch that show might think that we're, we have a producer in our ear every hour or we're asked to say things and you're really not and I knew that before. So I think what I was craving is the capacity for me just to be me without the makeup, without the hair, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, but then I think if I hadn't have had that amazing opportunity, you know, I wouldn't have been able to show anyone a different side to me. So... That's probably why I feel so lucky all the time. Yeah. Good question, Martin. Well done. <laughs> okay. Uh, any more questions? Oh, I've got lots. Lovely. There's a couple of them. It's lady there after. Um, you said, like, you've achieved some of your goals by, like, writing these books and going on I'm a Celeb. Do you have any other, like, bucket list goals that you'd love to achieve? Oh, my gosh. What a brilliant question. Um, there are probably two. So I set up at the end of last year um, a talent management agency. So to look after anyone sort of in the media. And I'm really proud of the business because I only employ women. And, you know, they stand for really important things. And they're all totally different. Um, and I'd really love that business to be in five, ten years to be representing some of the biggest, biggest names in showbiz or even social media. I would really love that. Oh, I'll give um, you my number later. Yeah, come on, babe. Come on. <laughs> so it said you across the contract. Um, so that would be one. Um, the other one, it's a really tricky one because I really do love politics and I've always been so politically engaged and I don't know how this would look, but I would like to have some sort of job, whether that's in current affairs or whether it's in active politics in Westminster. I don't know, but I hope that, you know, before I wrap up things with whatever my career ends up being, I have the opportunity to itch that scratch because there's something there. But um, at the moment, I don't know what it looks like, but God, it's so exciting, isn't it? Like anything. Well, well, what you're showing is, you know, you never, you know, that everything is a work in progress and there's always something. There's like you say, an itch to scratch. Uh, I love that analogy. Yeah. So thank you. <laughs> thank yeah, we've you. got some more. I think there was a lady here with a hat on. 
Hiya. Um, you're a really refreshing, positive person on social media, and it's lovely to watch you. You're very humorous. But how do you deal with the horribleness that comes with social media, and especially for the youngsters out here now? Because that is a real problem in, in youngsters of today. Hugely. And I've covered this so much with this documentary because um, I just think trolling is the worst thing in the world. Honestly, when I was a lot younger, it used to really deeply affect me. And um, particularly just after The Jungle, the things that people were writing about me um, were horrific. And I think the way to handle trolling is just to ignore it, which is the hardest thing in the world. But the minute that you give them oxygen, you know, these people aren't like us. They feel this real desire to say the most horrendous things. And what I think that trolls do is they're very clever and genius in finding the one thing that you're really self-conscious about. And they love broadcasting that. And I think that says so much about that person. I wish... Interestingly, there was this debate going on in in Parliament, actually, about, you know, what is freedom of speech? What is hate speech? And I would love to sit here and say, you know, anyone who trolls should be abolished from social media and we need to get rid of them. Actually, I think we need to all have a bit of a cultural change. I don't think by banning or suing people that say, obviously, there are varying degrees of this. I'm talking about nastiness, you know. Um, It's an age-old question that I don't think I'll ever, ever be able to answer. But I do hope that people younger than me that have only grown up with social media will know deep in the back of their minds that actually these people that are saying things, it's on them. It's nothing to do with you. But it's taken a really long time. I mean, even now, when if I see something ghastly on Twitter or Instagram, you do think about it. And I understand how the young now that it's just been a constant, constant presence in their life. It's the most tricky thing. I wish I had a better answer, but I do think it's all on the trolls. It's never on the person that's reading it. And I think that's something really important to remember. I think it literally is ignore, ignore, ignore. It's the only way at the moment. I really do. And like you say, we need a cultural change. Um, and, uh, you know, it's uh, it's also something I think, you know, different age groups, you know, obviously there's different stages and different ways of dealing with uh, with social media. Uh, but all, uh, and sometimes, it, well, a lot of the time also it's a very positive thing. But, uh, yeah, it's getting the balance, isn't it? Any more questions? Because we're loving them. Oh, yes. <laughs> That was a half hand up, like, oh, I don't know. Oh, go on then. Have you had? Yes, I had. Um, so I had a surfing dog called Nala in Meet Me in Hawaii. Um, and the most gorgeous little puppy, every morning she'd run out of the beach shack and show all of the holiday makers and all of the children learning how to surf how it's done. I thought it was just one of the most amazing little characters in my second book. Um, what brilliant question. Oh, such Thank good you questions. so much. And you've got me thinking about doggies in the next three. Yeah. Can't all be about my Monty, can it? No. Oh, I don't know. You see, there's a lot of love for Monty well, in this happy. room. So, uh, yeah. And what a lovely audience you've been as well. Thank you so much. Thank you, really. Yes, it's been yeah. great. And um, the lovely Toph, she's going to be doing a book signing next door um, after she's had a, a quick cup of tea, no doubt. Um, and uh, I think, well, we should give her a round of applause because what a, a lovely, lovely lady you are. Thank you so much. I enjoyed every minute of that. Thank you so much. Thank you, my darling, as well. Pleasure. It's a pleasure. So, uh, yeah, thank you very much for joining us. It was I thoroughly enjoyed that interview. I talked too much. I'm going now. Bye. <laughs> Ladies and gents, one more time for the lovely Jenny Powell and the wonderful Tuff. 
How much fun was that? Georgie Toffolo with Jenny Powell discussing her book series, Meet Me. And if you'd like to experience more of that combined fun and wisdom, come to Carfest to see it all live. Carfest.org for tickets for this August Bank Holiday Weekend, 25th to the 27th. There's still time to come and join us and I'd love to see you there. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.